0: Welcome back to another episode of the Greencastle Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Kleck. We've got a great show for you. We have a great show every day. We never disappoint. But today, another exceptional guest on there. Uh, David Cuthbert from the Global Imprint is joining us. Dave is a Naval Academy graduate, former Navy EOD officer, multiple deployments, time in Iraq, diffusing bombs. As if that's not enough, he takes his skill sets out and becomes CEO of a major telecom company, leaves that company, decides to go into the nonprofit side to help lead a nonprofit that is bringing clean drinking water on a global scale to uh, impoverished nations, finally landing where he is today with uh, with the Global Imprint as the founder and CEO, helping companies find, uh, define and, and embrace uh, something bigger than just the bottom line, helping them find that corporate social responsibility, that 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 purpose. Um, and we're really excited. Dave's got a, a laundry list of skill sets and experiences in leadership and in just um, helping folks uh, be the best versions of themselves. So we're excited to have him on today.
1: This individuality stuff is a bunch of crap. There's a reason why. A master of innovation. The key to this growing is... You. Any rational person would give up.
0: I can't disagree with that. Make sure that we're not prisoners of our own experiences. You need a team of great
1: people. We'll not tolerate a loser. What they need is a common vision. Helping organizations win one veteran at a time. This is the Greencastle Podcast.
0: Hey, thanks for joining us today, man. I know you're busy. I know this, uh, this coronavirus environment's got you you're busy, especially as a, a startup entrepreneur. Um, can you talk to us? Just take us through um we did the intro but tell me a little bit uh, about uh globe winpress
1: yeah john thanks a lot for having me on i really appreciate it it's uh it's always great to talk to you so appreciate this opportunity yeah interesting times for sure especially you know for everybody really but um you know to be an entrepreneur at this time to be you know an early stage business definitely complicates things but um there's still a great opportunity out there and i think there's you know, we're seeing a lot of opportunity for global imprint, quite fl- frankly, as things continue to evolve and change. Um, so, global imprint, what we do is we work with companies and help companies design and implement sustainability strategies. Uh, we work with them on their philanthropic initiatives. We work with them on their ESG ratings, and really help them. And ESG their, for
0: people who don't know.
1: Yeah, it's a good question. Yes, sorry about that. But environmental, social, and governance. Um, funds, if you will. So, these are large capital funds that are developing around the world. Essentially, investors and banks and so forth are looking to invest these funds into companies that score really well as it applies to environmental sustainability, social responsibility, and good governance practices. So, it's really important for companies to uh, build this into their business operations, these initiatives. So that they have more access to these these funds around the world. And these funds right now are sitting around thirty trillion dollars globally, uh, which is about one quarter of the global capital available to companies. So it's not a small thing. And these have been, you know, growing with momentum and, and um, you know accessibility over the years, but it's really reaching its peak. Now, you know, we'll see how things change with COVID nineteen, but this remains a very uh, important thing for companies to be um, aware of and, and to be working uh, with. So, so if, that's if, what if we I do. Can,
0: I'm sorry, is, yeah, is, if, if I can break it down in simple terms for people who are listening and going, all right, so good governance yeah. and, and corporate social responsibility, we're, we're talking about uh, organizations, companies, or, or, or whatever, for mostly for-profit companies who are doing more than just saying the bottom line is all that matters to me. Now, now we're talking about having more than just uh, a monetary driven purpose in my capture net you hit the nail on the
1: head I mean this has become way more important for companies over the last decade as we all know you know this is this is nothing new. It's corporate social responsibility and corporate philanthropy but it's really all rising to the surface because of the um, the growth of really these ESG funds, let's but let's break that down a little bit. Let's let's talk about what's actually happening in the market and why all this is actually coming to to bear. And, and I would again, I would suggest that even now in the context of COVID nineteen, like these issues haven't gone away. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see how they evolve. But it's there's there's good reason to believe these things will become even more important going into the future, and, and we can get to that in a moment. But let's let's just talk about like what's actually happening in the market. Um, and, and these are statistics. I'll, I'm going to cite a couple of statistics. These are statistics put out by Forbes. You can find them easily just by doing a basic search on the internet. But you know, recent statistics say that 88% of consumers, when they buy a product, they care about the social causes that that product stands for. So if they had an option to buy product A or product B, and they were both, you know, from a performance standpoint, whatever it be, electronics to uh, consumer-based products, whatever, if they had the option between those two products and one was aligned with a social cause, one wasn't, 88% of the time they're going to choose that product that aligns with social cause. So this is happening across all kinds of markets. You're seeing it happen um, in, many of the things that we all purchase and I would, you know, to our listeners and to even us, I mean, test it against ourselves. Would we make that decision? And the answer is yeah. I mean, it makes sense. Can you, uh, you,
0: you, I'm sorry, can you give me an example? Just again, I'm trying to think it's put put some context to it. Um, I don't know if we're we're talking about a gallon of milk or if we're talking about a new car, what's uh what would be like an example that somebody can relate to and go, Oh, you know what I now, I you know, I actually did, buy this or i did uh, uh, favor this thing because of, of like what's a company who's done a really good job of, of marketing their social cause
1: yeah well there's like the i think like the probably the banner is patagonia right so they every single thing you buy their whole shtick is when you buy it you're actually buying this product and not doing as little harm to the the entire supply chain when you buy that product and they want you to buy that product and like never buy another product again right so that product is is made with such quality and in such responsibility of its supply chain that they want to sell that thing to you once and not have to sell to you 10 times, right? And so, you know, they're, they've been a driver behind B corporations and they've been a driver behind sustainability initiatives and so forth. So that's a great example. But you can walk into your grocery store and stand in the egg aisle, right? You're going to see eggs and then you're going to see free range organic eggs. And if the prices are relatively the same, you're going free range organic because, yeah. you know, the chickens are, are treated better. And so this goes from high level product all the way down to the choices you make every single day in the grocery store. And what we're seeing in markets is that messaging or that real alignment to good work, we'll call it, um, or responsible work is becoming a front of mind issue for consumers. And nearly every single thing we purchase from eggs to fleece to even cars now we're talking about hybrids and teslas and these cars that uh, all you know aren't as dependent upon fossil fuels and we're doing this not because they're necessarily cheaper we're doing this because we care the because you know we don't want to damage the environment or we care about climate change and don't want to be consuming more and more fossil fuels at the rates we used to so again it applies to almost everything we're seeing buildings right with energy efficiency, like that really matters because of global climate change. We're looking for alternative sources of energy. This is this is applying to nearly every aspect of, of what we're purchasing. So that's really a major driver in the market is just consumer choice. The second real major driver is employee choice, the labor market. Now, this is obviously a really unique and different Labor market that we're seeing today with COVID 19, right? Mass sure. layoffs and so forth. But generally speaking, and I still think, again, this would apply, um, people really do care about the brands they work for. They want those brands to be responsible brands. And the trends have been very strong up until now that given the choice, again, and if monetary sort of levels were, were even equitable, people have, have actually said we would work for less if the brand or the company was that much more responsible, if I felt like I was working for a cause essentially bigger than myself. And the statistics are pretty high in this, especially in the millennial generation, who I think has really changed in the, uh, the labor market. Um, and now the millennial generation is the largest labor force in the United States. So, so you, this you is see, a,
0: it's a pretty you, major thing. You said we've seen that trend. So uh, yeah. you and I are Gen Xers, and then and, and and we're actually sort of on the on the senior end of of that of the, the labor force. By and large, you're saying, yeah. and then we see that trend with millennials and now even Gen Zers coming in. And you're saying that what we're seeing is that people will come in, and and I've and I've seen articles that have suggested that that's part of the interview process from the uh, prospective employee like they're doing their their due diligence on the company going now nah, this company is uh you know they, they they have you know they have terrible reviews about their not, not just about how they treat their employees but about that that again that this this term that i don't know that everybody's familiar with, corporate social responsibility what, what do they stand for other than just you know like enron we're just making money and we're just you know greed and, and capitalism uh uh or or you know we're just uh, just the monetary just the bottom line what else are they standing for and you're saying that, that that's a, a trend that we're seeing by and large with the workforce coming in
1: yeah absolutely i mean there's a book written called purpose economy and they say that you know millennials are jumping around job to job trying to find that and on average they're in their 20s they're holding seven different jobs oh. just in their 20s it's pretty astounding right american business in 2018 lost 11 billion dollars just in employee turnover and we all know this for any of us who run a business like one of the most expensive evolutions we can go through is to lose an employee how do you how do you retain that talent i mean talent that you've invested in you've trained you've got them up to speed on your product and so forth you have to engage them in the work they have to believe in the work they want to be a part of something that matters they want to be part of something of this bigger stories with with social responsibility but also good governance so if we talk about the ESG the G stands for good governance You know, they want equitable pay, you know, there has to be, uh, you know, pay scales that are that are fair for everybody. They can't have biases built into them. That's part of the good governance structure. And so companies who are leading the way, uh, uh, quite frankly, it's kind of interesting. We're still talking about that issue, but it's still a real thing. Um, You know, people want to work for companies that are fair, that are honest, that and that are a part of, um, you know, being good citizens of the world at a corporate level. And so that's greatly influencing the way that companies operate, the way that companies talk about their products, the way they, they talk about their brand and how they engage their audience, which also includes their their um, their employees. So, you know, you have the, the consumer market shifting. It's been shifting for a long time. You have the labor market that's certainly pushing a lot of momentum. And now you have pardon me, you have these ESGs, which is your capital market, environmental, social governance markets. So that's happening. So what, again, what banks are saying, if you meet these certain standards, you have access to higher levels of capital. And beyond that, Merrill Lynch put out a report not too long ago that says those companies are actually starting to outperform companies with low ESG ratings. Because, well, maybe, and I'm presuming a bit here, maybe because they're able to retain their talent or they're able to engage customers and, and and um, increase customer loyalty, and that's that's me presuming. But they're starting to see metrics. That actually actually said ESG co- highly rated ESG companies are doing very very well in the market.
0: We don't go back so, to fact finder on this uh, podcast. We'll just take everything you say as, uh, as yeah, but that's the gospel truth.
1: You heard it here yeah, first,
0: folks. Thanks. That's it. That's the truth right there. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's fine. Shoot me, a t- shoot me a direct message on LinkedIn if you disagree. <laughs> but there are a lot of stats
0: that- Your you inbox is just that. going like this right now. <laughs>
1: yeah. Hey, listen, this is open dialogue, right? But I mean, no nobody would argue, I think, that all of these things are happening. There's enough evidence out there to say that. But so what does that, what, what does that create? It creates companies that need to be very self-aware and very conscious of these issues, right? And at the end of the day, that's what we're really talking about. And so that, you know, going circ- full circle here back to what we do, we help gr- companies, Global Imprint partners with companies to develop growth strategies that are very aware of these issues. And there are a lot of different things that we can do for organizations and we do do for organizations to help them on that, on that growth path to do it in a very mindful, aware and sustainable way. Um, and I think yeah. it's a really exciting space.
0: I'm sorry. Would, would it be accurate to say then that not just doing it, like, so what you guys do at winprint you're, you're not just helping companies because if a company does it, but nobody knows about it, you know, it's like the tree fall in the woods, right? So would you, are you guys part, uh, culture development, part PR firm, part, uh, operations, like you're helping them from that. If you do have a a, a purpose that you stand for in your XYZ corporation, um, if you're if you're promoting it, but you're not actually living it on the inside, there's going to be a disparity. And the people on the inside are going to say, you know, there's some bullshit here that that, you know, the company's not really living up to their dreams. And that's that's a PR issue. Right. But on the flip side, if you are doing it, but nobody knows about it, that that's a problem, too, because, as you said, your customers want to buy in. They, there's there's an, an allegiance, a loyalty with companies that are that are known to be doing things. So, or, are you guys helping them both on the inside and then also projecting and 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 letting it be known what they're doing? Yeah,
1: exactly. We're we're sort of a full service partner in, in that we create all that content, all that storytelling that actually supports the brand story, and we think it's really important. And I'll go back, as you know, before you know. Um, founding global imprint i was the ceo of an international water organization wine to water and we did uh, clean water initiatives in over 40 countries around the world and to do that we partnered with companies all the time and i would get that question from corporate leadership always should we tell this story we feel like it's a little self-serving um you know, how, what is the best way to share a story like this? And and companies struggle with that. And there there's, and I appreciate that self-awareness. They want to do it and they want to do it well, and they don't want to do it in a way that just sort of pats themselves on the back. My position on it is you absolutely have to tell that story. One, you're doing it. Two, it encourages others to do it. It encourages other good work. Right. And secondly, I'm sorry. Thirdly, um, we need. We can do it, and we can do it very well. We can do it in a tasteful manner. We can do it in a dignified manner. We can. We can be honest about what the work is, not only the successes of that work, but what were the challenges of that work. And I think that that's the kind of engagement people are really looking for. And then, lastly, we become advocates of a cause. Um, people need to know like in the global water crisis context, that there's a global water crisis and there's things that people and corporations can do and we can use those stories to tell that kind of, uh, to share that sort of information and news. So to that point, that's what Global imprint does help our our clients tell that story. Um, But I would encourage, you know, all all of you corporate leaders out there who might be listening to this, you know, share those stories. You just have to share them very thoughtfully and very well, but I think it's very important.
0: You mentioned, uh, and I think it's an interesting point for for folks who aren't in that in that realm. You said we help uh, uh, partner folks, the corporations, with folks who are doing good work. So, um, yeah. is it is it accurate again to to so are you guys mostly helping corporations internally create their own purpose and create maybe a division or or something, or or are you bringing in other organizations that are already doing good work out there with uh, mm. with a for-profit company who goes, hey, we're looking for a good cause to get behind and, and you're helping marry them up and, and create an alignment between them. Is that, is that sort of what, what yeah. uh, your bread and butter?
1: That's exactly right. So we'll come in and we'll do a full assessment for a company and say, okay, like where do you guys stand? What are your core values? What are your business development initiatives? Who are the core audiences you're trying to speak to? We'll do a full assessment of all of, it, all of those things and once we have that, we really know what the company is all about, what they want to do, where they're trying to go, and who they're trying to speak to. We have a global database based on our team at Global Imprint has uh, connections around the world. We've all done international work in many, many countries. Um, so what we'll do is partner the best organizations doing the best work as it aligns to the the values and the direction of the the business and make sure that that connectivity happens at a very high level. And then, you know, we manage that relationship so the business can stay focused on its business, whether it be being a law firm or civil engineering firm or industrial firm, doesn't really matter, but that's what they do best. The global nonprofits do their work really best, and we make sure that that connectivity and that relationship is in place and managed and grows in a really healthy way for everybody's benefit along the way. So that's an element of our, of our service as well
0: you started uh, um, uh, alluding to your background. Um, You're a a Navy guy, former EOD officer, then went to the corporate side, then went to the nonprofit side. So I think you really have a unique perspective. And for folks who tune in, I think this is a, um, and for anybody who's listening, I've known Dave for a a long time, and I, I don't think there's anybody out there who has a more diverse, uh, background that, that allows him to speak to that for-profit, nonprofit, uh, military side. Can you walk us through, um, just sort of your journey, uh, yeah. however, however deep you want to go? It's starting from, from, uh, your time in the Navy to like all your varied experiences and how that landed you in this position and why corporate social responsibility is your, uh, is, is your passion today.
1: Yeah. Thanks, John. I appreciate the question. Um, because I do find myself in the, this unique seat, like as you're sort of indicating, um, having these different experiences and, and being able to draw together different experiences of my own and different and a lot of resources in a very large network to do good work. And at the end of the day, that's what we really and when I mean good work, like work that is impactful to people, environment, planet, and so forth. And that's that's my my passion for all of this. Um, for me, that started back. At uh, you know my very beginning of my career at the Naval Academy went to Navy graduated with an economics degree and um, I was always a member of sports teams I love teams love that whole environment played soccer at Navy so when I graduated I was really looking for the next team environment and found that in the EOD community as you had said so EODs explosive ordnance disposal we're the the bomb squad of the Navy as you know you know your community spec war community EOD community are very close. Uh, Did a lot of work with uh, Spec War guys along the way, and um, yeah, deployed quite a few times in the Middle East and Africa. That was my core operating area. Spent a lot of time in Iraq, Um, uh, Horn of Africa, throughout the Middle East, in about fourteen different countries in that region. And I I just love the field. I love being out there with my team, uh, doing high-level missions. Um, being well-trained and, and very well-coordinated and, and being in that environment was was really special to me. But I left the Navy at the end of 2006 and joined another startup. I mean, and what drew me to the startup environment was, again, the team. I really just loved the, the idea of being on a small team, trying to do something audacious and, and awesome. And at that point in time, it was cloud communications. We were selling cloud before anybody was talking about cloud, and um, that was exciting and a great ride. Took that, uh, helped lead that company until 2014.
0: There's and, a, um, there's a, an irony when a guy says I was uh, I was defusing bombs over in Iraq, <laughs> and then he's like I was selling cloud. That was exciting. <laughs> Everything's well, relevant to, right? to the point. <laughs> yeah
1: well to the point it was uh, it was always for me about the team it was about being in on it with a group of people trying to pull something off and what we were doing in 2006 7 8 9 on the cloud side was we were these startups and there was a few of us around the country but we were disrupting the telecommunications industry i mean our biggest competitors were at&t verizon apple google Microsoft, like oh, all these nice. cloud products that are coming, yeah, yeah. not even only the biggest companies in our sector, they're the biggest companies in the world, many of them. So, you know, I thought that was very fun and uh, we enjoyed, and we actually did quite well with, with that. And so did that until 2014, and then as you indicated, I left that sector and was looking for my next gig. I actually thought I was gonna stay in technology and I uh, came across this, um, on LinkedIn, I came across Winder Water, which was this international water organization in North Carolina. And I was living outside of Philly at the time in South Jersey and um, saw this thing on LinkedIn. And it was this posting for the CEO of this organization. I, I found it fascinating because the first seven or eight bullets were all about international field experience, which I had done nearly a decade of in the Navy. And then the second half of that job description was organizational development experience, which I had just done, you know, another eight or nine years, pardon me, in technology. And then I had this mission for helping people get clean water who didn't have it. And man, that really changed me. That really changed the direction of my life was that element there, which was, hold on a second. I could apply all of my different experiences to this and really benefit people. And uh, I helped run that organization for five years, a little over five years. Um, Windwater's done way—you know—provided water for way more than a million people um, globally. We established offices in four countries, so I really understand what you know what it takes to work in um, very difficult environments. And uh, as you know, that evolved, and I was looking to take my next step in my career. This. Role, which was the culmination of the culmination again of my corporate experience, my international nonprofit experience, my business strategy experience, bringing all that to bear in this market is an opportunity that I just thought was really interesting. And again, you know, since I started this company in 2019, the world's changed, right? The world's changed in the last 60 days. But I, I still remain very bullish on this. I really do believe that, you know, the world needs really good work i think even more so as we come through this and out of this COVID-19 experience and i I just you know i'm really grateful to be in the uh the spot i am and and to work with the companies i do
0: what uh what does the world look like for corporate social responsibility coming outside coming out of um because right i mean coming out of of covid because right maybe maybe companies had a lot more um A lot more free capital to invest in corporate social responsibility or into that cause now we're talking about i mean the the unemployment rates through the roof right so that 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 free capital what's uh how do how do you pivot uh how does global imprint how do you pivot or or how do companies pivot to still be able to meet that um that 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 drive that 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 purpose that the employees want to have um, and we're seeing that a lot today, right? You're seeing all the news covered uh, today is April 24th, uh, right? Right in the middle of COVID. We're actually already maybe even on the on the downhill slide a little bit as as states are talking about opening. But the the news is riddled with, and and social media is riddled with just good news stories about you know honoring uh, the 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 healthcare workers. So there's they're finding they're finding people finding, and they're, and they're, and maybe more so now than ever, people have a desire like. Man, I'm trapped in my house. I I I I wanna I wanna do something. So how do how do corporations do that? How does what does your field or your industry look like going forward out of this?
1: Yeah, I, I think that's the fundamental question for all of us, not only for global infra, but I think like every single person running a business, I don't care if it's public or private or whatever level, is got has got to be asking this question. Like, what are what's important for the way that I run my business as I come out of this? Um, to me, and what I think we're seeing to the points that you're making, I, I absolutely believe people are really asking hard questions about not only the way they run their business, but how they run their life, right? And I'm asking questions about how, how am I going to change my behaviors? Um, do I need to get on airplanes as much or can I do more business over video call? One, it's a better better carbon footprint for myself. And Global Imprint, we've committed to being carbon um Positive, actually, meaning we're going to offset more carbon than we actually produce as a business. Uh, we call it climate positive. Um, we're going to have to make decisions like that, and we can make decisions like that. But every every company is is got to ask these questions, and, and I think to the point that you're asking. I really do believe that the more intentional companies coming out of this, the more intentional organizations, meaning those who are truly self-aware, connected with audiences, connected with and being empathetic in this new environment, and we'll call it even the new economy, because I really think the economy is changing right in front of our eyes. They're still going to matter the most. I mean, you can even see, I saw a commercial the other day, and I'm not promoting any brands here, but Miller Lite. They just donated a million dollars, which may not be a lot of money to them, right? You know, truthfully, but they donated a million dollars to bartenders and servers who, you know, lost their jobs. It's called the the virtual tip jar or whatever. And I don't know exactly how that money gets perpetuated. So I'm not advocating for it, but it's a really interesting concept though. They're donating money into their audience as they should. And people who are hurting right now in, in that service industry are really hurting right now. And they're trying to help in that way. But it's interesting because if they can be a brand – and I I will trust them for their altruism – but if they can be a brand that is altruistic through this environment, when those people come back online, aren't they going to want to pour Miller Lite beers and isn't that good business for them anyhow? Uh, You know, Is they're pushing beer out to their client? I would think so. Um, If somebody's asking at the bar, "What, what should I drink? Miller Lite. They did us a solid during COVID-19, right? And there you go. They they just made a sale on behalf of that that brand. So they're 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 creating brand ambassadors right now. But I don't also I don't necessarily I mean to indicate that it's just philanthropy. I think philanthropy is very important, but at the same time, I think you can meet these even these ESG standards as you look at how you run your business, as as you look at the responsibility of your supply chain, as you look at the way that you engage your your company, it's just not about writing checks. It's about actually how you run your business in awareness, in sustainability. You know we we we're going climate positive. That's not expensive for us, actually. You'd be surprised at actually how cheap that is to to be climate positive. And that was an easy decision for us because it was part of our core values. but I think it still says something about the way that we want, want to run our business in the future. And I think everybody could be looking at the way they want to run their business and what they want the brands to stand for. And I think that will matter a lot coming out of this. I don't think everybody's going to race back to crushing the bottom line. I think people are going to race back to we got to be irrelevant and real and um, empathetic business in this new economy. That's that's my take on it. Anyhow. And I, I think that's supported by a lot of the conversations and a lot of the advertising we're actually seeing right now.
0: What, what I what I heard in that in in your Miller Lite example, I get we're not we're not advocating for Miller Lite or, or yeah. one way or another, but um, is that when done, you know, and, and right, great. So business folks, some there's going to be some business folks listening to that and go, hey, that's touchy feely, that's great, but at the end of the day, if it's yep. if it's not helping in my bottom line, then it's hurting it, right? Uh, um, But what I heard in in that um, um, in in that Miller Lite example is that if you take a long term look at it, uh, if you actually have and if you take a a creative look at this corporate social responsibility, there actually are like as you talked about bartenders who may have an affinity for Miller Lite uh, or owners who go, hey, man, when I was down, they picked me back up and. And you're right, maybe a million bucks wasn't anything for them, but the fact that Miller Lite did it and then made it known and then put invested in, mm-hmm. hey, we want, we want folks to know what we're doing, that may actually, they, there might be a, 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 a metric that might be hard to measure, but there may be a, a, a loyalty that's created just by something, as you said, a million bucks might be a drop in the bucket for them, but they did it yeah. for, a, for a, a group of individuals who are, who are hurting right now. Um, so for anybody listening, I, I wonder if there's a um, and maybe you can elaborate on that, that there really is a uh, a, a a measurable benefit from mm-hmm. from an economic standpoint that it's not just touchy feely, making people feel better about who the company I work for. But you really can have an effect on the bottom line.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's I think that's critically important. And that's one of the things we are very focused on making sure that we're not just it's this is not a touchy feely um thing issue for us it is actually a business development issue. Yeah. The reason I say it that way, because it, even if you talk about it in the context of sustainability, well, what's actually sustainable? Well, good business is sustainable. Profit, profitable business is sustainable. If you're not profitable, you're not sustainable. So all of these things, all of these initiatives that companies are taking on, I actually have to make sense in the context of their business strategy. And so, you know, What we're advocating for is, and whether they're working with us or just businesses making decisions in general, what we're advocating for is that businesses don't only become about that bottom line at all costs. Absolutely not. What we're advocating for and what we're also not advocating for is um, businesses only being about, well, the planet at the cost of their own business, not advocating for that either, right? What we're advocating for is let's, let's develop a very strong bottom line, let's develop good business development practices in a way that's socially, environmentally responsible. Because in the long run, if you really want to look at like being around for 5, 10, 15 years, we actually think they are the fundamental building blocks right now to long-term, healthy, sustainable growth business. If you're not in that realm, if you're not talking about these kinds of issues, if you're not socially responsible, if you're not, you know, if fair pay is not in the DNA of your company, if your social awareness is lacking, if your environmental awareness is lacking and you're just, you know, destroying the environment behind you in your supply chain, you're going to actually struggle to compete in the next five to 10 years. So this isn't just a touchy-feely issue like you're indicating. It is a true competitive issue for companies which is kind of interesting and and very refreshing for all of us because it's like oh okay a competitive advantage is actually environmental stewardship or social responsibility or good governance yes that's awesome now we're talking about real fundamental change and that's what i think gives everybody a lot of hope that we can do business better going in the future and if covid's done anything man you know, as we, you and I've had conversations about this, it's a really interesting time because it's given us all this collective pause. There's like almost nothing else that I could have ever dreamed of creating a collective pause like this for everybody at the same time to just take a step back and say, all right, what's different about the future as opposed to the way that I did things in the past? Like this is the perfect opportunity to be asking these kinds of questions and building a stronger brand in the future. And I think it's a, you know, those who take advantage of this are going to find themselves in a really advantageous position going forward.
0: Uh, well, I, I love the, the way you, you, you conclude that. You're right; it really is going to be advantageous, and people and people will see that, right? Especially, and and we, we I feel like we have hit the reset button on what we consider important, um, um, and what we uh, what we value. Um, and if you and maybe we always valued those things, but now coming out of this, you're like, well, you know what? Time with my family. Man, but boy, that was you know, I'm excited for the kids to go back to school. <laughs> I'm excited not to be locked down with them. We all
1: are. But uh, yeah,
0: yeah. that's a whole different discussion. You're right. <laughs> but uh but I will have valued that time and and uh and, and you know, and for sure. Uh anyway, uh hey, before we before we wrap up, uh we are uh we are a veteran focused uh organization. Um so we're not just we don't just go out and interview just veterans, but uh, but because you had such a, a, an interesting experience, you mentioned a lot of things uh, throughout the conversation. Uh, working in small teams. Uh, uh, when you went to the corporate side, you were still excited, and you were you were excited by the challenge of uh, of being innovative. Innovative. How much of your this is sort of one of those softball questions, but you you mentioned as I think a recurring theme throughout, even just going on your own, leaving the the the, the comfort and the safety of of having a, a steady paycheck at uh, at Wind of Water and deciding to go out on your own, how much of what you did in uh, and you learned in the military has has uh, laid the foundation for for where you are today?
1: Yeah, man, it's like it's a softball question, but it's one of those you could answer in a million different ways because my military experience. It was everything i mean i wouldn't be sitting where i am today i wouldn't have had the experiences that i've had i mean without you know certainly it would have had a different path or whatever that might look like but for me the my military experience my it, it was fundamental to shaping the way that i see things the way that i think about things the way i think about leadership um i was very fortunate to be mentored by incredible leaders in the military and i was you know going to you know, going to combat is an interesting experience because, you know, we, there's so many theoretical books about leadership and there's all all these things that we can just study about leadership. But then when you see it applied in a high stress, you know, life or death environment, um, and then you really see what it's all about. You know, we've had all these classes, you've done all these things. And then there it is, like, it's really important. And you could apply that same thing, like to, that wartime type leadership to right now, like what's happening in COVID-19 and you're seeing leadership metal right now. And so, you know, I think for me having seen such great leadership been around great leadership, both in peacetime environment and wartime environment in business growth environment, when everything's going great to environments right now, it's all really the same. It comes down to principle-based leadership. And I really, you know, attribute that to my, to my military experience and my academy days um, my uh, special operations days um, all were cumulative in developing me who you know, in my leadership and at the end of the day i think being very thoughtful um, really evaluating things 360 degrees being able to see the mission inside the fog of war um, and being very focused on that mission, these are elements that I've drawn from my military experience that I still use every single day today. Uh, so I couldn't be more appreciative of the, you know, my service experience and the, the leadership I was around. Um, it's been you, you fundamental were, to my life.
0: You said um, you've had some really good mentors. What, uh, mm-hmm. what separates, you've obviously had a lot of mentors throughout your life, what separates yeah. the, those good ones? What makes those memorable? For leaders that are listening in today, going, I want to be good. I want to leave a legacy of having made people or made the organization better than when I where I, how I found it. What makes uh, in your mind? What makes those mentors stand out? The good ones that, from the from the mediocre ones.
1: Yeah, you know, it's a it's a word that maybe we didn't hear around the military very much. But if you really think about it, I think it, if if you think about it, I think it's a word that existed a lot, which was empathy. Um. You know, it's not a word we would throw around in our our teams very much, right? But if you really look at the best, you know, because it sounds soft and it sounds what do you need you a know, hug? Every, exactly, right? And you know, the only easy day was yesterday and all that stuff. <laughs> you know, it's like, but if you look at the best leaders, like the best leaders have been around, they understand the mission, but they understand where their guys are. And I'm not talking about just like with their training and their equipment, but like where they are, like between the years, like what's going on with those guys and how do I get those guys to accomplish that mission and being able to connect that same today, right? People are afraid. People are scared. People are unsure. How are we leading with like, this is what we need to do as a business, but this is where the the mental and emotional state of my people are. And how do i get those things to connect and leaders need to be very very aware of how to do that and it can't just be well this is the mission and forget where their people are they will leave those people behind them
0: um right. and this then, is not uh, an easy one
1: for me like i really have to fight for this on a regular basis
0: that that that, know, that that idea of like suck it up buttercup this is your mission that's that's sort of the the leadership uh ideas of yesteryear right and, and we're moving to a much more empathetic uh
1: it is, and that can that can be applied, but I think it can be applied in very short spurts. Right, sure. it can't be the sustained um, posture of leadership. But you know, if, it, if a moment requires that, and somebody needs a swift kick in the ass, like right now, that that. Happen. But yeah, I think that empathy is, and if I look at the best leaders, like. They uh, they didn't compromise the mission, but they were able to work with where their people were to get them there and do that very, very well and motivate them to do it at a high level. And I would say one more thing. I I equate leadership to service as leaders. I think our responsibility is to making sure that our people feel secure in their role, like we've got their back and they need an opportunity to succeed. And if we can give them those two things, we give them the security of their role, meaning like, hey, we we prepared you for this and you can do this, and you've got all the tools you need to succeed. We as leaders have largely done our job, and we've set people up for for significant success, which ultimately 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 means the leader's success. So you know, I think sometimes we fail because leaders make it about ourselves, and these people are there to support my success. Totally wrong mentality. Um, and I think that's a bit flawed. So um, yeah, there's a couple of things I lean on, but I definitely draw from my military experience.
0: Hey, uh, real quick before we go, uh, where can folks find you uh, on the interweb, on uh, on social media? Yeah. Where uh, where can folks find out about about Dave or about the Global Imprint?
1: Yeah, thanks, John. We so we hang out a lot on LinkedIn. Uh, that's probably the best place to find our content. Uh, just find me David Cuthbert or D J Cuthbert on uh, LinkedIn and Global Imprint on LinkedIn as well, but also um, Global Imprint on Instagram is another platform we leverage quite a bit as well. So please check us out there and uh, reach out if you have any questions for us or want to continue this conversation in any way, shape, or form. We'd love to do that. So I appreciate the opportunity. And
0: it's globalimprint.com?
1: Yes, theglobalimprint.com.
0: theglobalimprint.com. Dave, thanks so much for joining us today, man. I appreciate it. It's it's been a great opportunity to hear about, and for folks who don't know about corporate social responsibility, but in in fact, we do know what it is because we live it and breathe it. We buy products, we buy services because of it. But it's really cool to hear uh, a little bit behind, pull the curtain back a little bit on why corporations do it and and how it benefits. And and, uh, hopefully our leaders have really pulled some, uh, some good stuff out of it. So thanks for joining us today, man. Thank you, John. I really enjoyed the conversation. All the best to you. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Greencastle Podcast. Please be sure to give us a like, a thumbs up, a share. You can find us at greencastleconsulting.com forward slash podcast or on all the major podcast channels and the social media channels, including our YouTube channel. Thanks very much. We'll see you on the next episode.